Hello, welcome back to the Women's Soccer Podcast. I am your host, Liam Greco, and today we are doing our second league review. We're going across the border of the United States of America to look at the Mexican Women's League, Liga MX Femenil. Just to give you a few facts before we start our episode. They have 18 teams in their first division, and Guadihara just won the championship a few days ago. Congratulations to them and their team. And the, but the most common champion is Tigres Unal. They have four titles over the course of the Liga MX Femenil career. So just giving you guys a few facts before we jump into the episode. I'm just going to go on and restate. I've, I'm grateful for all the support on the first episode. I really thank everyone who tuned in and listened. Remember, if you drop a five-star review down on Apple Podcasts with a question, it will be answered in a future episode. So, back into the episode. Okay, so a lot of this information that we're getting here today is from ESPN, so just know that before we start. And let's get going. So, ESPN's headline article on Liga MX Feminil talked about how it, the league has boosted women's soccer with stars and big crowds, but there are a lot of challenges. And we know that with women's soccer, there's a lot of challenges with some of the coaching and the way that the players are treated on and off the field. So that's the biggest problem that is already kind of a fact. We know about that, right? So we know that Barcelona broke the record crowd for a women's game. They had 92,000 at their Camp Nou win in the Champions League against Real Madrid. And then the next game, they broke it by like another few hundred. But before those two matches, the previous highest attendance was the Monterey attendance at the Estadio Azteca in a 2018 game. That was the previous record for a women's club match. It was broken in 2019 when Atletico Madrid played Barcelona in front of 61,000 fans. But before the Barcelona kind of rampage in women's club football, that's kind of evident due to all the high, very high attendances that have breaking records set by the U.S. women's national team, set, as I said, earlier from the Monterey women's team. So now that we know a little bit about the history of the Mexican Women's League, why don't we jump in deeper to like their league and their style of play and stuff like that. So according to Monterey forward Christiana Birkenrode, she says that it's just so creative. And she's referring to Liga MX Femenil's style of play. According also... Another quote by her is that there's just so much confidence when people have the ball at their feet. And that's a big deal in women's soccer that a lot of people have had probably problems with in the past is, oh, it's not as technical as men's soccer. But I think that leagues and style of play really kind of propel those stereotypical ideas to kind of be broken. So I think that's a big deal and that is true I mean when you watch those games every single team even at the bottom just acts like they're winning and it's so fun to watch 
everyone just play like they're having fun and that's what soccer is supposed to be and but they're so serious at the same time which is great and moving on so as espn mentioned in their article they talked about how liga mx femenil has kind of catalyzed the country's ambitions of reaching the 2023 world cup so that goes to like opening doors for new generations of players and especially those that were like on the US Mexico border and although it has experienced its like challenges like all women's leagues it has a lot of potential to really grow and i think that's the exciting part about Liga MX Femenil is that it has so much potential and it really is going to be amazing towards the future. And I think that the Mexican women's team has clearly improved over the years. They've become a much more competitive force. And I think that a lot of people could argue that that is because of their club league growing. Liga, Liga MX Femenil was once a league that only allowed Mexican-born players. And opened the doors in 2019 to dual nationals so people that had one parent from mexico and one parent from another abroad country that was in 2019 this league started in 2017 and from 2017 to 2019 teams could only have mexican born players which i think kind of probably diminished the quality of the league and i think that's what we really could talk about and i think that's a really big problem for the league in general because we know from the men's side that when you look at the English Premier League teams like Liverpool their front three like Luis Diaz, Jota, Mane, Sala none of them are English and in fact only Jota is European so it shows that you got to give a chance to every everyone if that makes sense to really get the best quality out of your league so in the Mexican American, twenty who was twenty years old, twenty eight years old, who we mentioned earlier, Christiana Birkenrod, had previously played in the NWSL and in Europe, and she has credited the league with technical proficiency that has helped her become, and I quote, more comfortable with the ball. And ESPN followed that up by, you know, it, the league is known for more technicality than physicality and the matches regularly provide endless flashes of inventive brilliance and many of them arrive from like the league's youngest players which is awesome because we know and you can see this in leagues like the NWSL there's a struggle to get a lot of depth in young players and it's amazing to see this league have so many young players and clearly Christina Birkin wrote agreed with that because she said it's a super cool thing that so many young players are already at the professional level. By the time they're 26, 27, oh my god, they're going to be amazing. And uh, yeah, when the league started in 2017, Liga MX Femenil regulations stated teams can only utilize two players over the age of 23. So obviously the rate late league has like dropped that rule if a player such as Christiana Birkenrod is still playing but the in its place the teams now still must 
provide a minimum amount of minutes for U20 players per season. This is really big because the league is kind of forcing Mex a lot of the Mexican teams to kind of really prioritize youth, which is great for the country's future. I mean, we know that. There's no doubt that they're going to be competitive in the future if they're developing hundreds of extremely talented young players. And I think that for the league as well, they should add some more international players. And the league last summer further adapted when they allowed two non-Mexican roster spots per squad to allow the league to make more additions that would like provide the quality of play that they're looking for and right after that after the draft in january the nwsl draft it led to their arguably and i think everyone could agree with this biggest international addition me official 20 year old from ucla she is like the biggest prospect for the u.s women's national team got picked by the orlando pride and at the fifth pick and she just said, nope, I'm moving to Mexico, which surprised many. You know, as she said, a lot of people kind of thought that it wasn't very competitive. But I think that she has kind of proven that the Mexican League has got something. And she quotes, I need to be in control of my career with the draft. I only knew that I was going to be with the Orlando Pride probably two minutes before I got called. So that whole situation was very stressful and I think very unnecessary for a new player. I think I deserve better than that. So official told that to ESPN. And she did admit once she got that offer, like she had many other offers from other teams, probably overseas, that weren't really referenced, but that was kind of stated in the article. So Tigres was not the only offer, but according to her, they took it very seriously through their presentation. And, you know, and Fischl said this. It emulated a full national team training after her first practice of Tigre Race. And that kind of pushes back at the people who are like, it's not going to be competitive or it's not going to push you. So it shows the Mexican Women's League has got something. And that's something that could be built on for more American players. And it's scary as an, N as an American NWSL fan, I really want to see a lot of our best players, you know, stay in the league. And for the league, it's kind of scary to see a player that probably would have won rookie of the year to just bail out. And that's a big problem. And we know that Mia Fischel probably would have been this year's Trittany Rodman. I mean, her numbers at Tigres show that. The numbers that she put there were amazing. And as I mentioned earlier, she chose Tigres over many other bigger clubs overseas that would pay her a lot more money. But according to her, they checked all the boxes. They laid out why she should be at that club. And they highlighted how she could challenge herself. And that's big. We need more of that in women's sports. We need players at the top level to be challenged so they can keep on getting better. And as I mentioned, again, I mentioned this earlier, but Fischl stated... If more players are going to be recognized, like Tigres recognized me, the players are going to come here, Fischl says to ESPN. So that shows the Liga MX Feminil is really focused on treating their players respectfully, which I think is clearly a problem that other leagues like the NWSL have. I mean, over, I believe, eight, seven coaches were fired in the NWSL over the last two years for some 
form of verbal, sexual, or racial abuse, which is just horrifying. That should never be happening in a workplace. And I think that the, the league and players had to even deal with that was astounding. And I think I would be in that boat as well. If the league isn't paying you, then I would go overseas as well. But it is kind of surprising that she did go to Mexico. I think we do agree that, like, the league wasn't really paying their players more than America. America plays their players more than Mexico. If she really left, I thought that she would go to Europe for the money. Like, a lot of other players, Tobin Heath, Katerina Macario, have done. And Macario, last year, and Rodman probably would have been the two biggest forwards in that rookie class. And yet, Robin kind of took the torch from Macario when Macario went overseas. But I think Macario kind of proved it was the right decision when she won the Champions League final. And she started and scored. Like, that is an experience that hasn't been available for many women in the sporting, especially soccer industry. So I think to prove that, like, America, you got to step it up, NWSL. Like, the NWSL can't just act like they're alone anymore. There's many other leagues that arguably have much better, how do I say this, like officers. They're running the league much better. And the NWSL kind of needs to grow up and have better officers that are guiding this league. I'm sorry, it's probably hard to understand. But my point is, is like the NWSL is not the only professional women's soccer league anymore. It's not 2013. You, Time has evolved, right? Like, I'm a biggest NWSL fan ever. I watch every single match. I watch all the highlights, even after I've watched the match. But, like, I think even other NWSL fans would admit the players need to be protected more. And Commissioner Jessica Burnham has acknowledged that, and I think that they're doing a better job this year. It was disappointing, obviously, to see James Clarkson fired, but I do think that the league is doing better. But going back to Liga MX Feminil, um, that other players that were signed after the, like, league. But, so, Tigres Nigerian signed Nigerian international Unchina Kanu. I'm so sorry if I mispronounced that. She told ESPN that she didn't know anything about Tigres. Nada. Nothing. Or anything about Liga MX Feminil. There was not really much attention. But, like, she was immediately oppressed as soon as she joined. She said, it's competitive. Their approach to the game is just amazing. It's not just a pushover league. It's a league that is growing. The players are developing and becoming better. This surprised, this surprise by players from outside of the league is something that Burke and Rowe noted. One of her quote, favorite things is watching foreigners come to this league and just seeing their minds blown. So yeah, that's a few of the players that were internationally moved I guess but Mexican national team goalkeeper Itzel Gonzalez was you know she she didn't really know I she was Mex she was obviously from Mexico she didn't she played for Sevilla in the in Spain for in the Spanish women's league which obviously she didn't play in her home league she played overseas but she came back to Tiahun and she applauded the league's move to bring in names from abroad and highlight the influence that it had more than just Liga MX Feminil. And as she said, since international players are allowed to play in our league, I think that it made the league take a huge step forward in terms of our physical, physi physicality, in terms of tactical play. 
Through new additions like Fischl, Kanu, and several others across the country, there have been more nuances, providing subtle changes to tactics and creating variety in approaches for clubs across Mexico. I see different teams adapting different styles of play. I think it's interesting to see how that's going to develop, Gonzalez said. Having teams with stronger identities, the type of players that we have as a country are influencing the style of play in different teams and also obviously at the national national team. Thank you very much for tuning in to this episode of the Women's Soccer Podcast. We will come back with a part two and going more in-depth on Liga MX Femenil. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and peace out from your host, LDG.